a special Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's the beginning kind of, of our anniversary week, right? And so this is kind of a, a pre-anniversary message. Next week we have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but he's going to bring the word of the Lord to us. It's going to be a really good time. We have our servants here dinner on Friday. And I just want to let you know, today I was not supposed to be speaking. I just want you to know that. And, uh, but our guest speaker who was going to come, he is going to be with us uh, in the future, but our guest speaker who was going to come uh, at 10.30 last night, he had to take his son to the hospital with COVID, and I got the message at like 5.30 this morning that he was there, and then a little bit later on, he was like, man, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm still, still in the emergency room, so I don't even know if they're still there now. And so while I had a plan, I think the Lord had a different plan. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to trust his plan in this. And so this morning, what I want to speak on is a message entitled, Without Faith. Without Faith. And many of you know that the vision verse of Core Faith Church is Hebrews 11.6. That is the reason why we exist. And so what I would say is that without faith, we wouldn't be here today. You may be somewhere else. We would be worshiping, but we wouldn't be Core Faith Church today without faith. There's so much that we find in God's word where God communicates to us about faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is such a beautiful reminder to us, but I want you to think about this this morning as we're thinking about faith, building faith, which we talk about every week. Minister Lewis came and reminded us that we engage people where they are, building faith in Christ. And so this is so important for us to have faith that is being built. Building faith is the process to abiding faith. Building faith is the process to abiding faith. We want to have a faith that is abiding, a faith that moves as we're singing, right, and we're worshiping. And we looked at Romans 8 just a moment ago as I was reading the scripture. What is Paul encouraging the Romans there with? He's letting them know that, man, no matter what is going on, and he's, you know, going to talk about suffering and hardship, no matter what what is going on, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why does that matter? Because if we don't have that as a foundation, guess what? Our faith won't abide. If that is not being built into us, our faith will not abide because we'll come to a place where we'll think, well, life is this way and situations are that way. And does God really love me? Does God really care? Is God really paying attention or did he just create everything as some people believe and then, you know, take a hiatus until some other time? You know, because that's what some people believe, right? They, they believe that, you know, they're, they're called deists, and what they believe is that, yes, there is a creator, God, and he created everything, and then what he did was he put laws into motion, and then he went and he is having eternal lemonade or something like that. I don't know what he's doing. I have no idea. It's like this God created everything and then just walked away and said, well, you guys do what you're going to do. You know what's sad, though? is that there's a lot of Christians that they don't say that, but they live like that. They think that way. We feel that way. It seems that way. And so what we find is we need a faith that is going to be built. And so the first thing that I would ask you to repeat after me this morning is, with, say this with me, say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please. Listen, you can do, I can do whatever we want that we think is great. And if it is not rooted in faith, motivated by faith, if you are not being moved by faith, it's not going to please him. I know, I know that, that's, that that sounds messed up, right? Like, like, man, I'm trying to do my best. Yeah, that's great. Are you doing it by faith? That's the question. 
Because here's the thing, we are all going to fall short of the glory of God. We will all fail, but the beauty is that if we're doing it by faith, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on getting up. Even when we fall short, even, but when we do things in our own strength, and our own ability, we do it our way, not God's way. Guess what? We just, well, whatever, I'm going to try something else because that is not working. But when we're doing it by faith, it's different. And so what does he tell us here? He tells us here, without faith, verse 6, this is our vision verse, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please him. The hall of faith is what many have called chapter 11 is the hall of faith, not the hall of fame. The hall of faith because it is a reminder of men and women throughout biblical history who have pleased God. Who have received, check this out now, an accommodation from the Lord that God has spoken about them. Well, what do you mean, Bishop? Look, if you look at the text, what does the text say? Look at what it says, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance, we're going to dig into that in a moment, of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, talking about those patriarchs, matriarchs of old, obtained a good testimony. What? That literally means there, that the, 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 them, them obtaining a good testimony is that they received a testimony from who? Who spoke about them? God Almighty spoke about them. God inspired the writer of Hebrews to do what? To write about them here. But throughout our Bibles, if we go back into biblical history, what do we find? We find God speaking about these people. These people's lives mattered so much that God inspired writers to write about them. You know that God, in the Bible, every single person is not written about. Every single person is not mentioned, and yet there are certain people who are important enough to get accommodation from God to where God says, I want to talk about this person. I want to dedicate some inspiration of scripture about this person. I want this person's life to be remembered. And then we come past the cross and God inspires the writer of the book of Hebrews to say, hey, there's some people that their faith mattered a lot. Their faith stood out above the rest. Their faith, matter without faith, it is impossible to please God. It reminds us of faith. So, so what, is, what is faith? We see this, this first word here, the first, um, the first verse there. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for. The word substance there, we need to look at that word. That word is a, is a Greek word. It is hypostasis, hypostasis. And what it means is it's, it's, a, it's a compound word. And, and the first part or the, the second part of the word stasis means to stand. Hupo means under. And so what it means, it means that which stands under. It is a foundation. Thus, it speaks of what? The ground that one builds upon, right? We're talking about building faith. And so we build faith, and faith builds us, right? We stand firm upon faith. But faith is the substance. It's the foundation of things hoped for. The reason why we have faith is because what? It's because we believe in the most impossible, ridiculous thing to ever believe in. And that is that someone, when I say ridiculous, I mean crazy. It's foolishness to men. It's not ridiculous because it is truth. What we believe in the resurrection of a man who said he was God, that he is no longer in a crave, but he is on a throne. That's who we believe in, do we not? And so that is why our faith is firm, because we believe in someone that they are still looking for the bones. Come on now. 
They're still trying to find the, 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 the dead body of Jesus so they can disprove it. And 2,000-something years later, guess what? It is still true. That is the faith upon which we stand. And so when we look at things that may seem impossible, come on, y'all. When we look at things that seem like, what? how, how is this going to work out? you got to know where you are standing. You are standing on resurrection reality. You are standing upon the truth that the one that died, the one that was was laid in the tomb, that that one is risen. He's no longer dead. Come on. That is what we believe in. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so our faith is firm. Why do we have hope? Because he's alive. If he's not alive, we don't have hope. If he's not alive, we have nothing to hope for or hope in. Hello. But we have hope because he is risen, because he is the king of glory. So faith is a substance of things hoped for. There's these other writers, they, they, they're Moulton and Milligan, I don't know who they are, you may, I don't, but they reported this, that this word, hypostasis, is a word that is a legal term. This is what it means, it means that, that they say that this word stands for the whole body of documents bearing on the ownership of a person's property, deposited in archives, and forming the evidence of ownership. I, I want to read that again. They say that this word, hypostasis, is a word that is used as a legal term in these times, and it, and, it, and it means the whole body of documents bearing on the ownership of a person's property, deposited in archives, and forming the evidence of ownership. They suggest the translation of this should be, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. You hear that? Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. We're going through the book of Revelation. You know why we're going through the book of Revelation? Because we believe what the book of Revelation says. We know that our hope is found in the truth that is there. There is a title deed that we have. Faith is the substance. It is the title. It is the thing that grips our hearts and makes us hold on to God even when things are not going the way we want them to. It is the thing that gets us up and keeps us moving in the direction to bring glory and honor to the king. As we look at this faith, I mean, you, you see he says this. So first, verse 6, talking as he comes out, speaking about Abel, speaking about Enoch in verse 6, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Church, I want you to understand this. When our faith in God brings us to him, that pleases him. Let me say it again. When our faith in God brings us to him, that pleases him. No matter our doubts, no matter our difficulties in our minds, no matter what we're feeling, listen, no matter what's going on, no matter the brokenness in us, you know, some people, they want to fix themselves up before they come to God. It doesn't work like that. You come to God to get fixed. Hello. You come to God to have your heart molded and mended and healed. You come to God as, as the father was with his child that was sick, and he was asking Jesus to heal him. And what did he say? Jesus said, if you believe anything is possible, he's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on now. But I thought he believed. And Jesus didn't say, well, when you deal with that unbelief, come back. Is that what Jesus said? No. What did Jesus do? Jesus was like, Look, you know what? He's, he's speaking truth from his heart. He brought healing because what? We acknowledge that none of us is perfect. None of our faith is perfect, but we should be growing in our faith. 
our faith should be being built in Christ. We have to have a growing faith. We want to please the Father. I don't know about you, but the vision of Core Faith Church is to please the Lord in everything that we do. My hope is that we desire that collectively, that we live our lives, that every breath that we have, that every desire of our heart, that every action that we take, that every, that, that, that every action that we don't take, that every decision that we make, that we are focused on one thing above all things, and that is pleasing God. Not pleasing man, not pleasing my neighbor, pleasing the Lord. That's what we should be about. We should be living our lives for his glory. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, say true faith comes to a God who is. True faith comes to a God who is. Hmm. Now, for some of you, you were here on the Wednesday nights that I taught on the Holy Spirit. For some of you were not here. You were in sin. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I don't know where you were. I hope you were not in sin. I hope that you were just absent, but... <laughs> And I don't remember which night it was, but it was one of the nights that we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Lord really, really pressed this strong on my heart. When we're talking about who God is, and we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is, and we're talking about what God wants to do, it is this understanding that he says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. And the second part of the verse, and those who come to God must believe that he is. Not that he was, not that he will be, but that he is. It is this understanding that Hebrews tells us later on in this, in this book that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. We know that God is immutable, that God does not change. And here's the thing. True faith comes to a God who is, not a God who was, and not a God that will be the problem with too many Christians today is that our faith seems more to be in the God who was. He was all-powerful. I worship the all-powerful God who was all-powerful. I see it in the book. I, I hear people talk about it. I even hear some stories once in a while about this God. Yet, yet, yet. You know, I believe in him. But does our faith believe in the God who is? Not, not, not the God who was, not, not the God that we just read about in this book and say, well, he moved that way for that time. He moved that way in that season, and now all of, oh, wait, wait a second, we, we see seasons, don't we? Don't we see covenants in the Bible, do we not? Like we see in the beginning, God creates, and then he makes a covenant with Noah, moves on, makes a covenant with Abraham, moves on, makes a covenant with, you know, Moses, he makes, he, God makes covenant, and then we know that we have a better covenant, right? Chapter 8 in the book of Hebrews, we have a better covenant, right? Because of what? Because God did something amazing on the cross, but you know what I find amazing about God is that he does something good for us. He gives us the book of Acts. Praise the Lord. And you know what he shows us in the book of Acts? He shows us that even after the cross, even after the resurrection, there is something powerful happening, and he is still moving. He hasn't changed. He has not changed. He is still the same miracle-working God that always was. He is still the almighty God who always was. The, the issue, again, is that our faith seems to be in the God who was and the God who will be. What about the God who is? What about the God who is on his throne? The God who is not shaken by what shakes us? The God who is not surprised 
by what shocks us, what about the God who is still Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals? What about the God who is still Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides? What about the God who still is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the Lord our victory? What about the God who still is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, the one who gives us righteousness because of his son? What about Jehovah Mekadeshim, the Lord our... He is, he, not that he was, he is those... He is all of those titles and all of that authority. He is that God. The same God who came down in the book of Acts in chapter 2 and filled every single person in that upper room. That's the same God who's in this place today with us. That's the same, the same God in chapter, that was chapter 2. The same God who in chapter 4, when they started praying and saying, God, you hear their threats. And Lord God, you know what they're saying. They want us to be silent. God, would you stretch forth your hand? Would you do signs and wonders? Would you confirm? That's the same God today. You walk throughout the book of Acts. That's a, he didn't change. I don't have it here in front of me right now, but I read it to, to, to you guys who were here on Wednesday as we were going through the study, and I was telling you about the book. It was Authentic Fire by Dr. Michael Brown. He has one chapter in the book. I didn't read the whole book, but it's, um, I mean, it's like this thick. I didn't have time to read the whole thing. But as he was talking, he has one chapter where he talks about sola scriptura, therefore charismatic. That's what his title, he titled it. He's obviously being cheeky, right? But his whole point is this. That if you take this book at face value, you believe in the power of God today. If you take this book, if you believe what is in this book, not listen, it doesn't matter what other books say. I don't care. It doesn't matter what other theologians say. It doesn't matter. Listen, I don't care what theological seminary, cemetery, what I don't care where it came from. Are you here? It does, none of that matters. What matters is what the book says. What do, I don't care what a denomination says. It matters what the book says. God has not changed. And we, well, listen, if we come to God, we must believe that he is. Not that, listen, not, not, not that he just was, but that he is. That he is the same God today. That's how we have to live our lives. Like we really serve the Almighty. Like we really serve the one who created everything from nothing. I mean, come on, that's pretty impossible, do you not think? Have you ever created something out of nothing? Anyone in here done that? Of course not. You might have thought about it, but until you got the materials to make it, it didn't happen. Because you know how that, you know what, as a matter of fact, just try it later on. I don't care. Get, get bold and be like, I command you, you know, a, food, a plate be filled with food. <laughs> Speak fire into existence. Be like Elijah, right? It's like, trust that. Like, no, you, you've never, I've never, we've never, we'll never create something out of nothing. But do we believe in the God who is? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who come to him must believe that he is. Church, we desperately need a revival of true faith in God. God hasn't changed. We have. We're so caught up in our gadgets. <laughs> Angel loves that. 
We're so caught up in our own lives. We're so caught up in our own goals. We're so caught up in our own things. We're, we're so caught up in all of this stuff. We're, we're, we're okay with our temporal comforts. We're okay with our secular success. We're okay with our idols that are so easily appeased, right? You know, we're, we're so, it's, and, and so we have no hunger for God, for God to be God. There's no desperation. I was sharing a couple of Wednesday nights ago as we're praying for revival, as we're praying, and, 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 and as some of you know, I've, I've been sharing a couple of, you know, here and there. there. I talk about the Hebrides revivals and, and what God did in such a sovereign and powerful way. And you know why he did that? He did that because of the way that he did it in the upper room. Because someone heard a word from God, they heard a promise from God, and they refused to stop pursuing him until they saw the promise fulfilled. They didn't give up. They didn't say, well, God, maybe you change. Lord, we prayed for a week and it hasn't happened. Lord, we prayed, you know, they could, in the upper room, let's go to the upper room because, you know, sometimes people want to question other stuff. Listen, go to the upper room. What did they do? I'm sure they went in there the first day. You know what they did? They were up there. They were praying, seeking God. What did Peter do? Chapter 1. Peter's like, hey, um, there's something missing here. We, there's something scripturally off. There's supposed to be 12 of us. There's only 11 of us. We need to get another one. That's what he said. And so what they said, well, they did some lots. Last time they cast lots, did some lots, picked this guy. Okay, Matthias, I think it was Matthias. It might have been Matthias. Anyway, there was two guys. There was Matthias, right? Amen. Okay, well, anyway, I could be wrong, but there was a 12th guy. You never hear anything else about him. Nonetheless, he's there. He's, he's, he's the finisher guy. And then they go and they start praying again. It was 10 days of prayer three times a day. When was the last time you prayed for 10 days three times a day? Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be real. We're the ones that have changed. God hasn't moved. We have. We're not moving toward him like we need to move toward him. I'm sure on like day three, they were like, yo, we've been here for three days. What's up? I'm sure day five. I mean, some of y'all have fasted before. You know day one, you feel real spiritual for the first three hours. Lunchtime comes, all of a sudden it's like, glory to God, Lord, is the fast over? Lord, is that your voice? Lord, do I hear you saying, son, daughter, you've done great, go move on. Right? Like, like all of a sudden you feel like you're having these epiphanies. You're like, right? I mean, seriously. You get, you get past day one, you get into day two, you wake up, you feel good. You're like, amen. We made day one, glory to God. Probably got a little headache. You're like, man, I'm feeling this, Jesus, I'm with you. Noon comes again. Lord, is that you? Is that a still small voice? I, I... Yeah, the rumbling in your tumbly, as Pastor Aldo would say, yes. Three days, they're in that upper room coming together to pray. Day five, it's like, man, we've been here a long time. I'm tired of seeing y'all. That's what they say. I mean, you know, come on, man. We're, we're, we're human beings. Like, we're not so spiritual walking around. Day seven, day eight, glory to God, here we go. It's prayer time again. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that they were like that, but here's what I'm saying. There's doubts that come up, but they heard a promise from God, did they not? Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power and you receive the gift, the promise of the Father. Day 10 comes, and it says, I love, I love the scripture because it says, and suddenly... 
Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, because it was, because they were at this point, all right, we're going through the motions, Father God in heaven. I don't know, they were, they were like Catholic at this moment. I don't know what happened. They were going through the motion, repeating, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. I don't know what they were doing. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God descends with power and fills these people. But the bottom line is, they may have been going through the motion on some points. They may have been really stirred up spiritually on other points. There may be some days they felt God. Other days they didn't feel anything. But they waited because there was a promise. They continued to pursue God because God is God. Church, we we need revival in these days in which we live. And revival will only come through a church that is filled with a faith in a God who is. Not a God who was. Not a God who will be. He's all of that. But we have to believe in the God who is. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say abiding faith, abiding faith. is rooted in a God who rewards but without faith, it is impossible to please him, and those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, like I said, diligence isn't always on fire. Sometimes diligence is simply coming before God and saying, Lord, you told me to set that alarm clock for 5 o'clock. I'm here. I don't want to be here. This coffee ain't working today, but I'm here. I'm here, Lord. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. And I humble my heart before you, Lord, because you know what? You called me to this place. I don't, Lord, I'm, I just, I'm here. Diligence isn't always, look, it's not, it's just, it's being, it's showing up the way that God calls us to. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Diligence in seeking God only happens when we believe that God is and that what he says he means no matter what. Amen. Diligence in seeking God only happens when we believe that God is and what he says he means no matter what. No matter what. What he said in his word, he, he means. And listen, I, I believe that God still speaks today in these moments to us. He doesn't speak outside or away from or outside of the context of his word. He's not going to go tell you to go and, you know, machete a whole neighborhood or something like that, right? That's crazy stuff. <laughs> but he speaks. What he's spoken, if he's spoken, man, listen. Hold on to what he says. Believe what he says. But let me tell you something. We got to be faithful with this. We got to be faithful with the book. And believing his promises, you know, all of his, all the promises of our yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? That's true. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you know all the promises of God? Are you holding on to the promises of God? Are you standing firm on the promises of God? And I want to say this, when you look at seeking the Lord, seeking him diligently, it is, is not limited to prayer because that's something that we get in our head and that's where we get it wrong. We think that, oh, diligently seeking the Lord is like, okay, I'm getting up at 5 o'clock and then 4 o'clock and then 3 o'clock, whatever time it is, and I'm going to seek the Lord for that hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, and then I'm done seeking him. Wait a second. Diligently seeking the Lord is seeking him all day long, moment by moment, second by second, encounter by encounter. It is seeking him diligently. 
It is pursuing him diligently. Listen, I got, I, I got, I got to... I got to encourage my brother here. He doesn't need this encouragement, but my brother Rick Lee is here today, and he is a, he is a dear, dear man to me. And he is, I tell him this as, as often as I can, but he is a father in this city on so many levels. And let me tell you why I say that. Because every time I have lunch, every time I have lunch with him, which is not enough, but anyway, when we have lunch together, I always see him, he's more available to minister to people than I am. I'm just being honest with you. And people know this. Because what? In my heart, I think that's an example of being diligent in seeking God because it's not just seeking God's face one-to-one. Oh, yes, it is that. But it is seeking God's face and opportunities. Where is God moving? Isn't that what Jesus did? He said, everything I do, I see what the Father's doing. That's what I go and do. I speak with the Father. That's what it means to be diligently seeking the Lord. Church, that's how we should be living our lives. Every single encounter that we have with someone, we should be saying, God, what do you want me to do in this situation. I want to curse them out, but I know you don't want that. Come on now. Like like thinking, Lord, I know that this person right here, they're on my last nerve, but God, how can I minister to them? That's, that's what it means to be diligent. How can I be a vessel sometimes of truth? Like, hey, this is what's up. Other times of grace. Listen, you need a hug. It's being that. It's being honest. It's being sincere. I want to walk away from this person. I don't want to engage them. Wait a second. What does God want in that moment? Have you prayed about it? you thought about that? Being diligent and seeking him. Why? Because he is a rewarder. Sometimes we don't want to talk about rewards, right? You know, the Bible motivates us and encourages us with rewards. The, the, the word is there here specifically. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The thing is this. It's not about what we want, it's what he wants. It's not about what we desire, it's what he desires. It's not about what we, what we want to do or how we want God to bless us. It's about what he has said in his word, what he wills to do. I want you to know this because I think that this is very, very important, is that when we're being diligent in seeking him, what we have to be doing is we have to learn to walk quietly before God. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes, you know, some of you are, you know, got a little hot blood in you. Come on now. Ready to just spark or you spark off. Wait a second. I know. I'm one of you. Come on now. <laughs> Got to pull back. It's like, wait, Lord, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to grieve you. I, I, I don't, I don't want to quench your spirit. We have to learn to be humble before God. You need to know this, and I said this earlier, but I want to repeat this again. The opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is disobedience. The opposite of faith isn't doubt. It isn't, it is, but, oh, well, you know, you don't have faith. You have, yeah, okay, your doubt may cause you to disobey, but that's not it. Because when you obey, what are you saying? I believe. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but you know what he did? He believed. He walked. He went to a land he did not know not. He knew he was looking at the Father. Okay, God, you're leading me. 
That's what, that, that's what Abraham did. When you look at these, and I encourage you, I don't have time to go through all of them, but if you read through these, but look at what he says about these guys, chapter, verse 4. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. You know what the difference between Cain and Abel's sacrifice was? Faith. Abel did it in faith. That, that, that's what the scripture says. The, the sacrifice was more excellent because it was done by faith. Faith moved him to give a more excellent sacrifice. Faith moved him to do something different than what Cain did. Faith in his, in his blood, his life is still speaking to us. We see this next guy by the name of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, what a beautiful thing. That you don't have to see death because what? All because you please him. I'm sorry, there's only two guys that I know in the Bible that didn't see death. Enoch and Elijah. Those are the only two that I know of. So I can't promise you that. <laughs> I know some of you are like, man, Bishop, is that a promise? No, no, no. <laughs> it's not. Most of us are going to see death. But I would love, I would love to see death when I see death with the assurance that I'm walking into the hands of the Father. That's where, we need to, that's where we need to be. And knowing that not only am I walking into his hands, but I've been walking in his hands the whole time. By faith, by faith, we can please him. Abiding faith is rooted in a God who rewards. Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is what I know is that what God promises, God means. I stand here today. My mom will watch this sermon later on, I hope. Hallelujah. But I stand here today because of a woman, and obviously because God wanted to save me. There's no question in that. But because of a woman who understood the words, you and your household will be saved. And she prayed and prayed and prayed until her son came home to the Father. I only know that because I heard her pray for my grandfather the same way, with the same faith, the same passion, the same zeal. And I can assure you that she is still praying for my other lost family members, believing and standing firm upon the promises of God. And so I close this sermon with this question, where is your faith today? Where is your faith? We talked about it earlier. Your, our faith should be, it should be, in the resurrected Savior. Our faith should be firm in the one who promises and accomplishes, the one who says and does. Our faith is rooted in what we celebrate in communion. As every week we celebrate the beauty of the miracle of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate this every week as a reminder 
To us as followers of Jesus, we are reminded weekly of this miracle that happened and that keeps us and that we're looking forward to a day where there's no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more heartache. We look forward to that. But my question is, where is your faith? If you would, just bow your heads right where you are. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. I don't, know, I don't know where your faith is in God. First of all, if you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus died. Or if you're online watching, Jesus died and rose again to give you life and life abundantly. But you have to repent of your sin. You have to turn away from your sin. You have to recognize that you are not okay with God by yourself and that you need him to save you. And so if that's you in this place or online, cry out to him in this moment, God, forgive me of my sins. If you want to be saved, today is the day of salvation. If you want to know that you are in a right relationship with God, today is the day that you can put your faith in him. Don't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow is promised to no man. And if you're in this place and you are a believer, but you're struggling, your faith is struggling right now, and you just need God to give you strength in this moment, to give you peace in this moment, if you need that, now is the moment for you to cry out to him and say, Lord, I humble myself before you. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, we come. We humble our hearts in your presence. Lord, if there's anyone in here that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that they would cry out to you now, that they would humble themselves to you now, and that you would save them from their sin, that you would Save them from their separation from you, God. I pray for my brothers and my sisters that I know there's some weighty stuff going on in people's lives. I know that there are some struggles in faith. I know that there's some difficulty, God. I just pray that you would strengthen their faith in you now. That you would comfort broken hearts, God. Lord, that you would strengthen, that you would give Peace where there is despair, where there is confusion, where there is doubt. That you would fill with love each heart of my brothers and sisters. That they would know your love in a deep, deep abiding way. And God, I pray for us as well, Lord, that we would believe that we would believe you for revival in our lives, but we would believe you for revival in this region, that we would believe you for revival in this nation, that we would believe you for revival in this city. God, give us hearts that are heavy with the burden of the sins of our nation, of the sins of your church, of the sins of our own personal lives. God, that we would be broken before you knowing that your promises are true and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, God. Lord, let us not be okay with success. 
Let us not be okay with temporary gains. God, let us be overwhelmed with a heart for eternal glory to come in this earth. Lord, break us free. Break us free, God, from every hindrance to faith in your promises, Lord. God, we surrender to you. Would you stand with me? Can we just worship for a moment before we partake of communion? Hallelujah. Come on, just lay, just, just lay your heart before the Lord in this moment. Let his spirit fill you.